So this episode isn't a normal episode. It's much more like a book review than an essay about one idea or quote from a book. It's still about one particular topic, um, in this case about the value of the natural world for us unnatural modern humans, but Amy Leach writes such varied and brilliant and pretty short essays that I couldn't just pick one, pick one quote or one essay. So I decided to take this collection of essays called Things That Are as a whole and dissect its important life lesson in the form of a pseudo book review. Better With Books, episode number 23, Nature Are Us. So, I've never been an animal person. I don't find them all that interesting, and since turning 12 or 13, I've never really wanted a pet. I do love hiking and kayaking and camping, but mostly the animals I come into contact with, usually insects, I can do without. And zoos are generally boring to me. I go if the right people go with me, but otherwise I'm like seeing them once, set for life. About the animals, not the people. I'm sure a lot of you city slickers can relate. My life is just too people and city-oriented and too busy for me to have a pet or take great interest in the natural world. But, maybe you've guessed, I've changed my mind about nature. Sort of. Because I read Things That Are by Amy Leach. I can't believe it's the only book out there of her writing because she's absolutely brilliant. It's the closest thing to poetry I've ever read in prose. To find out why I actually mean it when I say Leech's writing is like poetry, check out episodes 20 and 20.5 of Better With Books, both about poetry. Leech is saying so clearly that even I, blind and oblivious to all things not human-made, could understand. The natural world, the world of lives other than our own, wildly other, is magnificent and worth our time, our interest, and our effort. Why? Because... Out there, every living thing does one or another thing better than we humans do it. Pandas, believe it or not, pandas are more faithful and religious than we are, in their own way. Green peas are better at overcoming fear than we are. Goats are more adaptable. Skinks better at standing out than blending in at a moment's notice. Leech, by comparing these organisms to us humans, by humanizing them and bestowing upon them supposed emotions, emotions that go with fidelity and bravery and creativity, she drew me into a world that I thought I understood, but, turns out, I didn't understand at all. But I do now, more than I did at least. I'm interested now, more than I was. I feel awe now when sharing a fun fact about an animal instead of just a desire for some sort of social engagement. The truth is, green peas don't actually feel fear, and pandas don't know that they are being faithful, and moths don't actually walk along the ground wishing they were still caterpillars, we don't think. But the truth, in the case of this book, doesn't matter so much as the connection Leech is trying to forge between her readers and the creatures that can't in any way explain to us what it's like to be wild and non-human. And that connection, I felt it. And others must have felt it too. There's a reason this book has a 4.2 rating on Goodreads. It's because it's brilliantly written, yes, but also because nearly everyone who's read it felt what I felt, felt for a little while what green peas and pandas and skinks and caterpillars feel. Things That Are is universal in a way that only a book about the entire concept of life, this thing that we all happen to share, can be. Here's one example of leech humanizing, in this case, a plant. 
If they live on a shelf far from the window, they will bend and warp toward the light, as you do when you are sitting on the living room sofa and an intriguing stranger keeps wandering through the laundry room. Here's another example. In the essay about pandas, she compares pandas, who only eat bamboo, to a person who only eats celery. It's a direct, obvious comparison. Like, obviously the reasons that this celery eater chose to only eat celery are the same as the panda's reason to only stubbornly eat bamboo. Which is nonsense. It's, it's a ridiculous comparison, but at the same time it's incredibly memorable. The facts in this book, I couldn't believe the half of them. Caterpillars are insects because they have only six real legs and the rest of them are actually just dummy legs. Beavers feel the urge to gnaw on trees when they hear running water. Lotus seeds can grow after lying dormant for more than a thousand years. I was terrified to look them up for fear I'd find that they weren't true. But they were, though some were slightly exaggerated or twisted about to make them more interesting. And I keep telling you that the prose is simply heaven, so I might as well prove it. Here's a passage about dust. There will be a link in the show notes to this quote. Even in rainier areas where dust is less inexorable and submits to brooms and rags, it is generally detested, because dust is not organized and is therefore considered aesthetically bankrupt. Our light is not kind to faint, diffuse, spreading things. Our soft, comfortable light flatters carefully organized, formally structured things like wedding cakes with their scrolls and overlapping flounces. It takes the mortal storms of a star to transform dust into something incandescent. Our dust, shambling and subtractive as it is, would be radiant if we were close enough to such a star, to that deep and dangerous light, and we would be ravished by the vision, emerald shreds veined in gold, diamond bursts fraught with deep red flashes, aqua and violet and icy green astral manifestations, splintery blinking harbor of light, dust as it can be, the quintessence of dust. Here's my guess. Leech's goal was to convince her readers that there is nothing like us out there. And if we are to be awe-inspired and if we're to learn from the natural things around us because we've forgotten how to be truly natural ourselves, we must see that we are good at dominating, but not much else. So we must learn the rest, and we must be interested to learn, and we must be prodded to be interested. So she prods us, gently, with humor and wit, humanizing the most absurd natural phenomenon so that we can relate. I was very much struggling with what to make an episode about while reading this book, mostly because of how diverse the topics it covers are. But then I read this sentence near the very end of the last essay. Nature has another power besides the power to terrify. And this, this is it, I realized. This is the reason this book exists, to prove that this one sentence is true. Nature isn't something we can control, no, but that's not a reason to fear it. In fact, in a world where we are in control of so much, it's healthy to look outside and recognize that we can't stop the rain or teach pandas to eat something other than bamboo or force caterpillars not to pupate. So instead of fearing it or ignoring it like I did, things that are makes us face it head on and see it for what it is. Wild, different from us, something to learn from, but also relatable and honest And how many of us still find relatableness and honesty and authenticity in the modern world we interact with? 
in the fake lives that we live online, in the controlled environments that yet don't satisfy us. Nature won't let you down. It can't, because it never owed you anything in the first place. You can't control it. All you can do is learn from it and experience it and appreciate its realness. At the very least, through the pages of this book. This was kind of a really weird episode for me to make. Um, kind of cheesy. And like I said, I'm not a nature person, but this book was just that good that it kind of made me say things that I wouldn't normally say. But anyway, um, if you want to just like let me know what you thought of this episode or give me some suggestions for books I should read, whatever it is, you can hit me up on Twitter at Ruth Roots and on Instagram also at Ruth Roots. That's Ruth R-O-O-T-Z. Um, I look forward to hearing from you guys and I hope you will stick around for the next episode. The theme music for this episode is a track called Melt by Broke for Free. You can find him on Spotify and on Free Music Archive. I highly recommend listening to his stuff. <laughs>